0: Hi, and welcome to Global Health Conversations, a podcast dedicated to exploring some of the more pressing global public health issues of our time. I'm your host, and today we'll be delving into a topic that concerns approximately one billion people worldwide, according to Forbes magazine, and that topic is obesity. More specifically, Today's episode discusses causes and consequences of rising incidence of obesity in the United Kingdom. Obesity is a complex issue with multiple causes. And in this episode, we'll be discussing the various factors that contribute to its increasing incidence in the UK. We'll also be looking at some consequences from a public health standpoint and explore potential solutions. This topic was originally a five-part blog series that I wrote several years ago on the globalhealthwriter.com blog. I will leave a link to that series in the show notes, and I'm excited to bring this conversation to life in a new format. So let's chat. Sit back. Let's take a deep dive into the causes and consequences of the rising incidence of obesity in the United Kingdom. In the United Kingdom, like many other nations, obesity is a growing public health concern with the number of people affected steadily rising over the past decades. In 1993, only 15% of adults in the UK were classified as obese. But by 2015, this number had increased to 27%. And the problem is not limited to adults. Childhood obesity rates have also increased, with approximately 20% of children in England classified as overweight or obese. Although these have since leveled off, which is good news. Nevertheless, while the prevalence of childhood obesity and overweight in the UK has stabilized in recent years, children from the lower socioeconomic groups have continued to exhibit increased levels of overweight and obesity in comparison to their counterparts from other socioeconomic strata. The outlook is similarly bleak for low-income adults. According to the HSE, Health Survey for England, lower-income women exhibited a higher proportion of obesity... 26 to 31 percent, as opposed to 15 to 18 percent in the highest income quintiles. Men in the lowest income quintiles are also more likely to be obese at 29 to 30 percent versus 23 to 24 percent in the highest income quintile. Now, this conversation focuses on rising incidence of obesity and it's important to keep the difference between incidence and prevalence in mind when discussing the rising rates of obesity. Incidence refers to the number of new cases of a disease or a condition in a given population during a specific time period, and prevalence, on the other hand, refers the to total number of cases of a disease condition in a given population and at a specific time point. In the context of rising obesity rates, incidence would refer to the number of new cases of obesity being diagnosed each year, and prevalence, on the other hand, would refer to the total number of people in the population who are currently today obese, and this is an it's, a, it's an important distinction to keep in mind when analyzing the data on obesity rates. I feel that it is important to highlight why rising incidence of obesity is a public health issue at all. A large reason for this is due to the comorbidities associated with obesity. Obesity categories one and two and morbid obesity in particular. It is a risk factor, that's all it is, like many other lifestyle-related risk factors for non diseases, such as type 2 diabetes mellitus, hypertension, and coronary heart disease, among others, like OSAS, obstructive sleep apnea syndrome, which altogether affect an individual's quality of life. Morbid obesity, considered the most serious stage of obesity, can leave patients at the highest risk of mortality related to their obese status. Another independent risk factor for a number of non-communicable diseases is sedentary behavior. Sedentary behavior is an independent risk factor for disease, independent of exercise and of activity and of weight. I will include a link to an older blog post on the globalhealthwriter.com blog on this subject I wrote years and years ago. If this area interests you please let me know because I would love to discuss it in a future podcast and uh, maybe I can harness that interest to get someone more interesting than me to discuss the topic. But I mention this primarily to highlight that there are multiple risk factors for non-communicable diseases as we all know. While we're discussing obesity today it's important to remember that this is a human issue. Additionally our human bodies wax and wane throughout our lives, all of us, and I wouldn't want to single out obesity. I feel like individuals who experience periods of higher weight during their lives um, and obesity deal with a great deal of stigmatization. And this is borne out by the literature as well as countless anecdotes from individuals who have been overweight during their lives or who are overweight. Um, The otherization of obese individuals is just not something we would like to contribute to here on the Global Health Conversations podcast, just not. So, rather, let's discuss this as individuals and professionals interested in public health. The detrimental effects on an individual living with type 2 diabetes mellitus and obesity are multiple fold. Rising incidence of obesity in children is well correlated with incidence of childhood type 2 diabetes mellitus. Expectedly, in terms of reducing risk of cardiovascular diseases, particularly coronary heart disease, a greater reduction in adiposity, so basically losing fat, result in a greater reduction in the risk for those particular NCDs we've just discussed. The rise in the incidence of obesity has been linked to various factors, including changes in dietary habits, sedentary lifestyles, and environmental factors such as the inavailability of healthy food choices. In this conversation, we will explore the causes and consequences of rising obesity incidence and examine potential solutions. Let's go. One prominent factor from the literature and the rising incidence of obesity in the UK is the changing dietary habits of the population. A shift in dietary patterns has been driven by the availability and affordability of processed foods and fast food. And as we said before, sedentary lifestyles are another major contributor to the rise in obesity. Many people in the UK lead desk-bound lives with little opportunity for physical activity during the day. This is compounded by the fact that many forms of transportation, cars and buses, are widely available and affordable, so people don't need to walk, cycle, as much as they maybe once did. Environmental factors also play a significant role in the rising incidence of obesity. The widespread availability of cheaper, high-calorie foods, particularly in low-income areas, has made it difficult for people to make healthy food choices and We often talk about food deserts and obesogenic environments. Additionally, the built environment in many urban areas may discourage physical activity with limited access to safe parks and other recreational areas at the times people need them. In addition to these causes, it's important to acknowledge the complexities surrounding the use of body mass index as a measure of obesity. While BMI is widely used as a metric to assess weight status, it has its limitations. BMI fails to account for variations in body composition, such as muscle mass versus the mass of fat, and this means that individuals with a higher muscle mass, like athletes perhaps, or people with just a very muscular build, may be classified as overweight or obese, according to BMI. On the other hand, people with a normal BMI may still have a higher percentage of body fat and face health risks associated with obesity despite being of a normal weight. It is crucial to consider additional measures and indicators when assessing the true health implications of obesity. In this vein, it's important to acknowledge the complexities surrounding the use of BMI as a metric for obesity. In preparing for this podcast in the literature, um, as you can imagine, BMI is widely used as a primary metric to assess weight status. And as we've just gone through, it has limitations. And at one of those limitations is the reliance in some studies on self-reported data. Studies have shown that individuals may inaccurately report their height and weight accidentally or deliberately, leading to a misclassification of their BMI category. For instance, studies have shown that men tend to overestimate their height, while women often underestimate their weight. These discrepancies, amongst so many others, can result in individuals being classified in different BMI categories than they really should fall into, and thus potentially underestimating the risk of obesity related to their health status and health issues. The last thing is that BMI alone fails to capture the distribution of body fat, which is crucial in assessing health risks associated with obesity. Centripetal weight distribution, characterized by excess fat accumulation around the abdominal area, is particularly important because it's it's linked with a higher risk of metabolic complications such as cardiovascular diseases and diabetes. This means that individuals with a normal BMI but a very high waist circumference may still face significant health risks associated with obesity. Very high waist circumference incidentally is the metric itself. It's also important to consider the influence of ethnic differences when using BMI as a measure. Various ethnic groups may have a tendency towards different body compositions and distributions of fat in those patterns resulting in varying thresholds in some instances but again all of these are mainly a guideline. We are all individuals and still this may not adequately capture the unique health risks faced by different individuals within different populations. Therefore, it's essential to recognize that we can't solely rely on BMI, and there's always a little bit of of variability when we're discussing this topic based on the way that we're able to collect and assess data. So in addition to dietary habits, sedentary lifestyles, environmental factors, there are other causes of rising incidence of obesity in the UK. One of these could be genetics. Some individuals may be more predisposed to gaining weight than others due to the genetic makeup, and we know this through genome-wide association studies and TED studies. However, it's not likely to really make up for a significant proportion of the increased incidence of obesity. Socioeconomic factors also play a role. People living in low-income areas may have limited access to healthy foods and may be more likely to have to rely on cheaper, high-calorie options. Additionally, they may have limited opportunities for physical activities, as safe outdoor spaces and parks may be fewer. On beliefs and stigmatization, there is evidence to support that a potential driver of obesity is the failure of obese persons or parents of obese children to recognize themselves or their child as obese. In short... Weight perceptions among these adults in Britain don't necessarily match the clinical definitions of obesity. Most obese adults don't describe themselves as obese, and another study of 2,976 English children found that a third of their parents underestimate their BMI. As more people in the community grow into the category of obesity, it may be that perceptions of normal for everyday Britons are a little bit swayed. Even teenagers were not immune to this. It was found that 39% of overweight teenagers would describe themselves as normal in a different study. At first glance, these findings almost seem counterintuitive to me. However, in a society that stigmatizes obesity, it's no surprise that many wouldn't want to recognize themselves as obese. And moreover, overweight and obese individuals who reported experiencing fat stigmatization were found to have gained 0.95 kilograms over a period of a year in a different study. And it may be that in this sort of image-obsessed world that we live in, many people are experiencing stigmatization due to their weight, and paradoxically, the cruel, skinny culture that we live in may in fact be a factor driving people more into overweight and obesity. So that was my summary of what I feel are the behavioral factors that are causal in this topic. On the consequences side, the rising incidence of obesity in the United Kingdom has significant consequences for individuals, for communities, and the healthcare system as a whole. The health consequences of obesity are far-reaching and can impact both physical and mental well-being. Individuals who are obese are at a higher risk of developing chronic diseases such as type 2 diabetes, CVDs, and certain types of cancers. Obesity takes a toll on mental health. The societal stigma and discrimination associated with being overweight can lead to low self-esteem, body image issues, and even depression. Moreover, obesity places a substantial burden on the healthcare system, in this case the NHS, with increased healthcare costs for obesity-related conditions and treatments. In terms of the broader societal impact, the economic consequences are significant. The costs associated with healthcare productivity losses, potentially absenteeism due to obesity-related illnesses put a strain on both individuals and eventually the economy as a whole. The consequences of rising incidence of obesity in the UK extend beyond individual health outcomes and touch upon the broader concept of social determinants of health. Social determinants of health are the conditions in which people are born, grow, live, work, age, and they have a profound impact on health outcomes. In the context of obesity, these determinants encompass various factors, including socioeconomic status, education, employment opportunities, access to healthcare, and the social and physical environment in which people reside. Disparities in these determinants contribute to disparities in obesity rates, as we saw earlier, as individuals from more disadvantaged backgrounds or from poorer neighborhoods and different postcodes often face greater barriers to accessing nutritious foods, engaging in physical activities in the way they might like, and receiving appropriate health care. Understanding and addressing the social determinants of health is a crucial piece of the puzzle in achieving health equity for all and reducing the burden of obesity and Disease in general, on society as a whole. Addressing the rising incidence of obesity requires a multifaceted approach that involves individuals, communities, policymakers, and healthcare professionals. Education and awareness campaigns might help and might be useful in promoting healthy habits, physical activity, and overall lifestyle changes. Encouraging children and adults to make informed choices about their diet and providing resources regular exercise can make a significant difference. Creating environments that support healthy choices is even more important. Based on the literature, this includes improving access to affordable, nutritious foods, and particularly in low-income areas, and designing communities that encourage physical activities. A big part of that is having walking paths that are safe, and bike lanes where people feel confident to ride their bikes, and accessible parks that everyone can access and use regardless of their ability status partnerships between public and private sectors can be very useful vitally useful in tackling obesity collaboration with the food and beverage industries can help in terms of addressing the way that unhealthy foods may be marketed potentially to children implement clearer food labeling which has already been done in the united kingdom And potentially in the long run, look at the reformulation of products to lower their calorie content. These are steps in the right direction that may happen in the long run. Nevertheless, there are a few factors that we really just cannot overlook. And for that reason, I'm going to jump back in to stats, which I've been trying to go light on, but I came back to go heavy because I think we shouldn't forget a particular concern about disability-adjusted life years, (DALIs) that obese individuals face as opposed to normal-weight individuals. Um, I'm not going to talk about qualities here, but those are very relevant here too. Obese individuals with a comorbid condition also incur a greater cost, yes, to health services and to themselves in terms of time. Um, And I'm saying time because in the United Kingdom, the NHS is paid out of taxes. And so for most individuals, with some exceptions, of course, certain individuals have to pay annually for their use of the NHS through their visas, etc. But for most individuals, it is free at the point of uh, presentation to you. So that's why I talk about time. But there are multiple costs involved there. Furthermore, type 2 diabetes mellitus can reduce uh, life expectancy. And in fact, obese individuals can face up to 10 years of lower life expectancy due to their obese status directly. Other risk factors, as we earlier discussed, very high waist circumference, despite lower levels of obesity, women in the United Kingdom were found to have significantly higher levels of very high waist circumference as a metric, which is 44% compared with 34% in men, which suggests that members of that group may progress towards obesity or the development of a comorbid condition because of that risk as an independent factor as well. An overall societal effect, based on one study that found that having even three obese friends increases an individual's likelihood of progression to obesity, is people evaluating themselves compared to those around them and that can cause a shift in societal perception of what is normal. It's important to identify one for oneself and one's status in order to be able to take the steps to make the changes that one might wish to make. Healthcare providers have a critical role in identifying and managing obesity. Screening and early intervention along with tailored treatment plans can help individuals achieve and maintain a healthy weight. Obesogenic environments are characterized by factors that promote unhealthy behaviors and contribute to weight gain. To counter the impact of obesogenic environments, interventions should focus on policy changes and structural modifications. This could include implementing regulations on food marketing targeted at children as discussed earlier and working with policymakers to transform our surroundings into supportive environments that make healthy choices more of a default option and in that in that way we can positively influence individuals towards behaviors that allow them to combat the potential for growing into obesity. The issue of rising incidence of obesity in the United Kingdom is a complex one with various causes and consequences. But by understanding the factors that contribute towards obesity and implementing comprehensive strategies, we can work towards creating healthier environments and empowering individuals to make positive lifestyle changes. This episode of Global Health Conversations has explored the multiple facets of obesity its causes, consequences, and potential solutions, and I hope that this discussion has shed a little bit of light on the subject and been somewhat interesting to listen to. I feel like we've only just scratched the surface here. If you'd like more detail, references, etc., you can find those on the www.globalhealthwriter.com blog. Links to the original blog posts are in the show notes thank you for joining us on this episode of global health conversations this has been a solo cast i sometimes interview guests and have interesting people and we discuss various topics within our field i hope that you'll continue listening to the global health conversations podcast give us some feedback thank you so much for tuning in today goodbye